0: Scripture reading this morning comes from the second book of the Chronicler, chapter 5. King Solomon was the most successful king in Israelite history, and he's just finished building a temple. It's taken him seven years, the Bible tells us, to build this temple using the finest materials and craftsmen in the world. By the way, the Bible also tells us that Solomon spent almost twice as long, 13 years, building his own palace, but let that pass for a moment. He's poured an intense amount of energy into this beautiful structure, and now it's time to throw a killer concert. Thus all the work that Solomon did for the house of the Lord was finished. Solomon brought in the things that his father David had dedicated and stored the silver, the gold, and all the vessels in the treasuries of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled all the people in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant out of the city of David, that is, Zion. And all the Levitical singers, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests playing trumpets. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, and when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments, in praise to the Lord, for God is good, God's steadfast love endures forever. The house The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So Ludwig von Beethoven was anything but a conventional Roman Catholic, but he was a person of deep faith and I hope you heard something of his lively and vivid relationship with God in this music we just heard. Beethoven sometimes loved God and sometimes hated God, but was never indifferent to God. Beethoven only wrote two masses, and this one, the mass in C major, is sometimes overshadowed by the much huger, more beloved, perhaps more sophisticated Missa Solemnis, which Beethoven wrote 15 years later. But as I was listening to this Mass in C this week, I was reminded how effortlessly, well, actually, it's not effortless, but it seems effortless, how effortless Beethoven's music communicates the beauty of the Lord and the unspeakable loveliness of God's cosmic canvas, right? You know, pick your favorite, the Adagio movement in the Seventh Symphony or the choral movement in the Ninth or the Moonlight. You wouldn't want to change a note. And of this Mass, one 21st century critic called it a long underestimated masterpiece. And a contemporary of Beethoven noticed in that Kyrie that we heard just a moment ago how Beethoven's prayers in this Mass sound like the petitions of a beloved child who makes requests of a father that the child knows is predisposed to grant the child's requests for mercy and forgiveness and for flourishing. Now, two events converged this weekend to remind me that God sometimes has a very twisted sense of humor. 77 years ago yesterday, April 30, 1939, in a game against the Senators at Yankees Stadium, Lou Gehrig played in his 2130th straight baseball game. It was the eighth game of the young season, and the Yankees were in first place, but Lou Gehrig was batting an anemic and unheard of 143. The next day, a Monday, the Yankees traveled to Detroit for a game at Briggs Stadium with the Tigers on the second. And before the game, Mr. Gehrig came up to the Yankee coach, Joe McCarthy, and asked that he sit on the bench that day breaking his famous streak of 2130. He would never play again. By the way, the Yankees won that game at Briggs Stadium with the Tigers 22-2 that day without Lou Gehrig. And so for me, two of God's cruelest jokes ever are Iron Man Lou Gehrig getting the disease that would later bear his name and Beethoven going deaf. Because in both instances, what was taken away from them, Garrick's resilient strength and Beethoven's sense of sound, were the most precious things about them, right? It wasn't what they did. It was what they were. And as I was reading about Beethoven's life this this week, trying to live into this mass and his experiences, it was just heartbreaking to get a glimpse of the way his deafness crippled his life. Not his music, mind you, but his life. His pride and his deafness conspired together to isolate him from his friends and his adoring fans. You know, he wasn't modest about his prodigious talents. He knew that there had never been a Beethoven before him and there was unlikely to be another after him. And so the only thing that kept him him alive was his responsibility to use that great gift in service to his art. He would have ended it long ago were it not for that. And you know it. He lost his hearing over the course of about 20 years. It took a long time and they kept installing newer pianos in his apartment, which were louder and louder until there were none loud enough, even when he pressed his ear to the cabinet above the strings. And he was so isolated from society that he began neglecting his hygiene. His friends would sneak into his apartment while he was sleeping to change his dirty clothes for new and he never noticed. Sometimes the police in Vienna would find him wandering the streets at night, and they'd take him back to the station because they thought he was a homeless man and were shocked to find out that it was the great maestro himself. It's a sad story. On the other hand, one of his contemporary interpreters suggested that Beethoven was such a musical genius, not despite but because of his deafness. The voice within was the only voice he could hear. He couldn't hear all the noise outside of himself. And so the only voice Beethoven ever heard was the voice of God. And he could translate it for us. And through this instrument, we heard a a glimmer of the music of the spheres. It's a sad story, but I read something this week that gladdened my heart, and perhaps it will gladden yours as well. Do you remember that golden record of digital information they put into Voyager 1 in 1977 before they sent it on its journey through the solar system and beyond? It had a lot of information about Earth, greetings in 40 languages, pictures of our planet and of the other planets in our solar system, and pictures of the planet's animals, including Homo sapiens and of course, examples of our earthly artistry. Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry is in there. Louis Armstrong playing the trumpet is in there. And also music by Bach, Mozart, and Beethoven. The first movement of the Fifth Symphony and a snippet from a late string quartet. Carl Sagan chaired the committee that decided what would go into the Voyager. And today, Voyager is almost 12 billion miles from Earth. It's still working, and it will work for 10 more years before it loses power. And for the next 40,000 years, Voyager will hurtle through empty space at 38,000 miles per hour but then it will rendezvous with a distant star that is 17 light-years from Earth. And if this distant star, like our sun, has a planet with liquid water and an environment hospitable to complex life, maybe somebody will find that golden record and know how to translate it and listen to the music of Beethoven and they will hear the message we wanted to convey Dear distant friend, greetings from Earth. We were far from perfect. We messed up a lot of things. And by the time you read this message, we may have found a way to obliterate the species and ruin our home planet. But we got some things right. Just listen to the first four notes of this symphony. 3,000 years ago King Solomon spent seven years building this glorious house of God in Jerusalem using the finest materials and craftsmen in the world and when he was finished he threw the mother of all dedication services. There were battalions of priests and armies of cellists and legions of harpists and 120 trumpets. Can you hear this in your head? 120 trumpets? And a vast legion of choristers, every one of whom sounded like David and Alyssa and Emily. And after they'd rehearsed for weeks and gotten it just right, the music they made drifted up to highest heaven, and God heard it. And God was so charmed that God came down and close to hear their hymns. And the chronicler tells us that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. And that cloud was the vaporous pillar that had gone ahead of their ancestors like a seasoned scout through the wilderness for 40 years. And the presence of God, God's self, was so dense you couldn't see a foot in front of your face. And so the service had to come to an instant halt. So that's what happens when you take the finest music on the planet and you practice and practice for weeks and weeks with love and zeal, and you give God your very finest, God shows up, and the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. It could happen.